Let's pray for God's word this morning. Lord, we so thank you. We thank you even for those songs, Lord. As I considered the truths of those songs, just brought me to tears. Tears of joy. Just thinking about how much you love your people, Lord, and what lengths you went to to rescue us, Lord. We thank you, Father, that even rescuing us, you did not leave us often, but you gave us the Holy Spirit, Lord, to live in us, to walk before us, to guide and direct us, to comfort us, Lord, to counsel us, Lord. And then you've given us your word, your word, the words of Almighty God. The word that created the heavens and the earth, the word that created each one of us, just the power of your word, the majesty of the one who spoke these words out. So I ask, Father, that you would give me clarity this day as we continue to go into another aspect of worship. Speaking your word and hearing your word is an act of worship. And we're confident, Lord, that we'll leave here different than we came in because your word never returns to you void. It always accomplishes what you send it to do. So we look forward to what you're going to do in each one of us this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in our series that we started last week called It's War, and it is a series on spiritual warfare. And this uh, sermon, uh, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll be reading out of the CSB, and I'd ask that you would stand for the reading of God's word. Again, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse number one. It reads this way. I wish you would put up with me with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you had not accepted, you put up with it splendidly. I now consider myself in no way inferior to those super apostles. Even if I am untrained in public speaking, I am certainly not untrained in knowledge. Indeed, we have in every way made that clear to you in everything. Or did I commit a sin by humbling myself that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by taking pay from them to minister to you. 
when I was present with you and in need. I did not burden anyone since the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my needs. I have kept myself and I will keep myself from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not stop in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows I do. But I will continue to do what I am doing in order to deny an opportunity to those who want to be regarded as our equals in what they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. You may be seated. So the title of this morning's message is Fake News. So we've heard that term before. Our former President Trump would use that often, and he used it in a political way. And actually, um, that term of, came from a series of disinformation that they figured out that it, it, it came from a certain region. And in 2016, they found that all of these made-up stories were getting a whole lot of traction. And um, these made-up stories were, they found that it originated from a small Eastern European town, even uh, in, the, in Macedonia, which we just mentioned, which is funny. And as they investigated, they found out that some young people had um, used this platform, Facebook, to put out these false stories to get commercials and to make money. So that obviously when you hear fake news can disrupt a lot of things. But when we think of fake news that comes not only from, I want to make some money, but I want to draw you away from God, that is very different. And that started right from the beginning of the garden. And the enemy used it to draw you away from Christ. So Paul, he begins this section of the letter by stating, I wish you would put up with me uh, with my foolishness. Uh, just put up with it for a little bit. Paul had planted the church in Corinth and AD 50, 
And this is about five or six years later, and it is his second letter to them. And one of the reasons he wrote to them was because there were false teachers influencing the church. And then Paul starts to to lay out his heart and his concern. This is the heart of a pastor, where he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. Paul was jealous for the converts that had come up under this church. And what he was saying here was, this is a godly type of jealousy. From your conversion, which is your betrothal to Christ, meaning your engagement, all the way through you get presented to Christ, which is your glorification. It is the job of the pastor in that meantime to keep you pure, to present you as a virgin, so to speak, as the bride of Christ. So in that day, when there were arranged marriages, the father was responsible after they made arrangements with the family before the marriage that that woman and that man stayed chaste until the union came about. So this is the example that Paul is given here. And then there's this part where he has to defend his position in this part of the letter, and he speaks about he is no way inferior to super apostles. What what Paul is speaking about here is there were those that came into the church and wanted to have influence. And one way that people gain influence is to knock the person that was before them. And that's what they were doing. Not only were they trying to minimize who Paul was saying, this guy is not a true apostle. Actually, we're more in line with what the, the, who the apostles are so that they could give a message that they wanted to give. And one of the things that they used was to say, hey, um, the apostles take up offerings so that they can be sustained by the church and preach and pray. But Paul, he doesn't do that. That shows he's not even verified to do what he's doing right now. But Paul is saying, no, no, I've spared you from that. I actually robbed from these other churches, meaning as they gave offering for me to continue as a missionary, when I've come to you, I didn't burden you with that. I gave you what God has given to me for free. So when he uses this term, super apostles, he's actually being sarcastic. And they were looking to discredit him. So what did they do? They spread fake news. So as that took place, the question becomes like, what was their goal in all of that? Well, he says in verse 3, 
I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your mind may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So so the danger here was not moral corruption, but intellectual deception leading to spiritual apostasy. Catch that. Working on your mind and your affection to lose your single-mindedness to Christ through various ways. That's something that's very dangerous. Just let me plant a seed. Let me argue this point over here. So going back to the example being used as presenting a virgin that is chaste for the marriage. When we have Jesus and we're committing adultery. How is that done? That's done in many ways because the, the enemy uses many tactics. He uses philosophy, right? Where um, he would confound a principle for speculation. Where, 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 well, have you ever thought about and how come this is And you sit there, right, and you just start to think through those kind of things. Yeah, what about this and what about that? For for those that have ever smoked marijuana in their life, and I'm sure there's nobody here doing that, um, it's it's one of those times when, when, when you smoke and then you seem like you feel like you're extra smart. Well, if you're not doing it, somebody did because they understood what I was saying. And sit there and start laying out these philosophies. The enemy uses that to deceive you. Another thing is to lay out, just be moral. Just do what's right. Which is a degrading of the scripture, which tells us, no, we are saved by grace and grace alone. No, we act godly because we're God's people and because we're hanging out with God and taking on the character of God. Because we love God, it will lead to. It is not to get to him, it's because we're his. Another argument would be expediency. Um, You know, it's just convenient to, to view this from this point of view. We see people do that all the time. They they have a counter argument of of why. This is, this is more practical. This makes more sense. And then you have the group of people that are tied into rites and ceremony. 
I do my devotions. I say my prayers at night. I go to church sometimes. I go to church every week. But it doesn't seem to produce godly living. So, so these are all ways that the serpent looks to deceive. Remember, we get, went last week and spoke about some of his names. Satan means adversary. Uh, devil means false accuser, slanderer. He is the wicked one. He is the accuser of the brethren. And if we just think about those names in relation to what he does, the devil lies and then he tempts because he's the wicked one. And once you fall victim to the temptation because of your own loss, it's an inside job, then he turns around and tells on you. And then, as he makes accusations against you to the Father, he not only talks about what you did, he starts to speak about who you are. He starts to speak about your character, which is slander. That's how he got those names. So we are to beware of the enemy, because he looks to infiltrate in our lives in our homes, in our church. So we have to pay attention to his tactics and we have to look at his mode of operation. What does he do? How does he go about it? Well, it's always fake news. What is it that the devil even says in Scripture? We can point to different times when he spoke to get a clarity on, hmm, this is the way he goes about things. So right from the beginning, when the serpent approaches Eve, he says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? What was he doing by making this statement, bringing about doubt? Having you question what God said. And then she responds, and he goes on to say, no, you will certainly not die. In fact, God knows this is God's real motive. Let me let you know if you don't know, because God knows that when you eat, it, when you eat, it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. See, God's real motive is he doesn't want you to be like him. I could tell you because he didn't want me to be like him, right? We read that last week. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The thing about that statement is there are partial truths in it, but partial truths always are lies. When you withhold information or when you exaggerate parts of the information, it's a total lie. So he went from placing doubt for her to consider to just blatantly going against what God has said and even putting a motive to God, trying to slander him. 
We see when he approached Jesus after Jesus was baptized and full of the Holy Spirit was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The devil says to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Always remember how Jesus answers. So often we think spiritual um, fighting on our part is to rebuke. First off, we don't have the power to, to do that, right? Um, when Jesus himself and Zechariah and when Michael, the archangel, spoke to the eye, they said, the Lord rebuke you. We are not in the position to declare and decree. That comes from the king. We are actually God's people protected by his blood. We have the Holy Spirit. He that is in us is stronger than he that's in the world. Like we went through last week, if God allows him to touch you, it's for your good. Don't open the door for him to touch you. But um, what are we to do then? We're to do exactly what Jesus did. And Jesus answered him by saying, it is written. So you could take naps at church if you want to. You could read a devotional that's, you know, Christianity light instead of your Bible. But if you don't know the word of God, you have been walking around with a really dull sword to be able to fight the enemy. You fight him with truth. This is what God says. And he comes in a lot of different ways, which we'll see in a minute. He goes on to speak to Jesus, and he says, I will give you the splendor of an all authority because it was given over to me, and I could give it to anyone I want if you will worship me. All will be yours. And again, Jesus said, it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the devil says, okay, you want to play with scripture? You want to read scripture? I know scripture too. And this is where we need to be careful. So if you remember what we're talking about here today is false apostles coming into the church. Well, they were using scripture. Remember how the devil comes and how his agents come masquerading with a costume on, appearing to be one thing, but really deep down being something very different. So he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, like your Bible says, you said, your God, he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you 
with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Well, that's true. The danger is, it's being taken out of context. And that's where many Christians fall prey. That is one of the reasons why I choose to preach expository. We're going to read this section of Scripture. We're going to break down and explain what this means and how it applies. Because if not, we're taking things out of context all the time and we get ourselves in trouble. And this is an indication of where that and how that can happen. So Jesus answered, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. And it says, after the devil finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. This is going to be continual and gone going all the way until we get to glory. So back to the text we're reading in verse 4, it says, If a person comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we did not preach or receive a different spirit which you had not received or a different gospel which you had not accepted, you put up with it splendidly. Now I consider myself to be no way inferior to those super apostles, even if I am untrained in public speaking, I am certainly not untrained in knowledge. Indeed, we have in every way made that clear to you in everything. See, that church started to entertain eloquent preachers and unadulterated gospel. That church started to entertain eloquent preachers and an adulterated gospel. People do this all the time today, online. Manner rather than matter. Method above content. Cleverness and entertainment over substance. That's the problem. Smooth talking. In your life, you know smooth talking has gotten you in a lot of trouble. Whether it was sexual, whether it's somebody uh, souping your head up and you going into business with them and them robbing you blind, it sounded good. Hence the problem. When the devil comes, he's going to sound good. He's coming disguised as an angel of light. And he accomplishes this through people. It says, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is of no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. The subtlety of Satan acting by means of human agency. What's your response? There's only one way to counter the enemy. 
whether he tries to infiltrate your mind and your thought life or come as an, an angel of light through an agent, uh, agent of evil. It is only by the word of God. It is only by being filled with the Spirit. But you need to know the Word of God because first and foremost, you must recognize Him because He's coming disguised. And if you don't know your Word, you will not be able to recognize when something's just a little bit off. You have to counter it the same way Jesus has. It is written. And you know when he's coming? When you're relaxing, when you're sleeping, when you're playing, when you're not paying attention. So if it's, an or, if it's not inside already, if you have no bullets in the gun, thank God for the blood. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. That song we sang about Jesus being on the cross for us, that's what has won our victory. Although war has been declared the Victory is already won, and you've already received what it is to win, and the fullness of what that means haven't even been given yet. So we sing those songs about the cross because we know we didn't deserve it. We recognize the high price paid. And we know that the enemy is real. But like we found out last week, he has no power over God's people. As long as you're not opening the door, whatever God lets in, he's using. But this is important, not only for the church, but for your household, for yourself that you are able to identify the enemy because they're all around us. Agents of evil looking to just have you cheat on the one you call to marry. That's what Paul was talking about here. So the church is for the edifying of the Bible. The pastor is to love on the people to bring about a spotless, wrinkle-free church. The bride to our bridegroom. Right now we're going to take communion. You can come up, worship team. Communion is where we remember often the victory won and the price paid. 
when we speak about the blood, it is because it's the only thing that covers sin. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And that was the blood of sheep and goats and bulls. But in 1 Peter 22, 24, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Ephesians tells us, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off. That's why I have tears in my eyes. I remember when I was far off. I've been brought near. I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Something to celebrate about. It is something to ponder. It is something for us to remember. Because when we think of this, every other thing we're dealing with pales in comparison. We, we recognize, no, God is bringing us through. If he brought us through this, there's nothing he's not going to bring us through. He loves us. The father didn't spare his one and only son. There's nothing that he withholds from his children. I'm going to ask the leaders to come up that are going to be serving communion and ask the ushers to come forth with the elements. They will call you row by row for you to come up. Communion and the taking of the elements are for the children of God. So if you have not given the Lord your life, if you have not received him as Lord and Savior, we ask that you would refrain from taking communion. If you are young to the degree that you do not fully understand the implications of what it is to partake in the Lord's Supper, we ask that you would refrain from taking communion. But if you're struggling and you're a believer, right now, spend some time just speaking to God making it right, being transparent with him. You are his child. Nonetheless, in the midst of your struggles, we all have struggles. But make it right. Take the elements. Remember the sacrifice that he made. And I'll come up in a few minutes and we'll share in communion together. Amen?